0: hello and welcome to another episode of the frame podcast in this podcast we explore interesting initiatives and try to figure out why and how they work today we have with us helena horlick and jaris poppin jaris and helena are key players in the warrior kids program an initiative led by wounded warriors canada that provides youth with tools and support to help them conceptualize what it means to have a family member who struggles with an invisible injury and navigate how this may impact them and their family system. Together, they helped develop the clinical framework used in the program to teach youth coping strategies to deal with adversity and build confidence not only in themselves, but in their relationships. Thank you both for joining us. Thank Thank you for having us. So to get started, how about you both tell us a bit about yourselves?
1: So I am a registered social worker, and I've been working with military and veteran and first responder families for the past 15 years. My work started back in the Canadian Armed Forces Base out of Edmonton, sort of the height of the Afghanistan deployments. And I was hired as a social worker with the Military Family Resource Center to support families and service members that were ill and injured. I currently now work with the Warrior Kids program with Wounded Warriors Canada. So I guess I'll go next. And this is Jaris talking now. I've worked in the mental health field for over 17 years. And kind of a, also a random fact is that Helena and I are both identical twins. So we started our careers together. And now we're continuing our professional journeys together as well. I originally started my work working in the crisis work field, and then went on to receive my master's degree in clinical social work with the University of Calgary. And it was during that degree that I focused on deepening my understanding on the secondary impact of trauma on military and first responder families. In 2011, I started working alongside my sister, Helena, as a family support worker, as well at the Edmonton Garrison, supporting military families During a time when we were already engaged in Afghanistan for over 10 years, and that really piqued my interest and our passion for supporting children and families that had been impacted by the secondary trauma of post-traumatic stress disorder or an operational stress injury. So currently, alongside Helena, we work together as the directors and uh, kind of co-founders of the Warrior Kids program with Wounded Warriors Canada.
0: Can you tell us a bit more about the Warrior Kids Program? When did this program start and what sparked the idea for having a program at your organization that is specific to youth? Well, the Warrior Kids Program started back in 2019, and
1: it originally started as a camp for children and youth ages 8 to 16 with a parent who is either a military member, veteran, or first responder. And also has been impacted by an operational stress injury or PTSD. That program started as a two day in person overnight camp. And we also currently run a virtual Warrior Kids program as well, which offers children the same ages eight to 16 with the ability to meet over a virtual platform um, over the course of six weeks for one hour a week. Ultimately, the Warrior Kids programs have three main goals in common. The first one is for kids to develop positive peer relationships. And this is likely the first time for kids within a family system with a first responder parent or military parent that they've been able to connect with other peers and develop other healthy peer connections from very similar backgrounds. And this is important to help them normalize their experiences around having a parent with a mental health injury. The second goal and objective of the Warrior Kids programs is to gain knowledge of the injury and specifically developmentally appropriate information around what is an operational stress injury. This is often very, very challenging for children to understand. So one of the main goals is to help children and teens understand this very difficult injury and what it looks like specifically to them. The third goal is to build new coping skills that will help them grow and thrive, even while facing some very unique barriers with a parent struggling or impacted to some degree with an operational stress injury. And we do that by using a variety of evidenced, informed, play-based activities. All of our camps allow kids to have hands-on, interactive ability to learn And to also process what this means to to have this injury within their family system.
0: So it seems the kids program is not only valuable, but really necessary for these families. And I love that you incorporate play therapy into your clinical framework. It's such a fascinating form of therapy to me. And it helps kids express these emotions and work through these complex problems while doing exactly what they're meant to do. How did you design the clinical framework to assure the initiative would appropriately serve youth? So the design
1: of the program took several years, and it was a combination of the experience and the practice-based work that both Jaris and myself had been doing over the years of working with families. So a lot of it was informed through the gaps that we identified in working with families, hearing that there were no specific programs that were geared towards supporting children and youth in understanding the concept of operational stress injuries, as well as just really supporting their own resilience and mental health. So often in practice, when we were working, we found that the programs were often in sort of the quotation civilian community, which the feedback we were receiving was that families were feeling that mental health providers didn't maybe understand the context or that cultural relevancy of um, military and first responder families. And the second uh, kind of factor that played into the development of the framework of the program was um, throughout my doctoral studies, I started capturing the essence of how youth needed to have a voice and When I would go through what we knew from the current research and evidence out there looking at the impact of secondary trauma on families and children, we were really good from a Canadian research perspective saying, okay, families are impacted as a family systems piece. We know that if one person in the families is impacted by trauma or mental health, then it it seeps into the whole system. However, the questions that would be asked in studies on, you know, how are children doing? What's the impact on children was often asked to the parents. And there's a discrepancy between you know, what a parent feels and how they understand how their child is coping versus asking youth themselves, you know, how are you impacted? What is your life like, your lived experience within the context? So those two pieces sort of came together where we were able to identify that um, youth, in fact, also took on a very important identity component within the service framework that was similar to public safety personnel and military. So children and youth also identified as valuing strength, service, and sacrifice. But they also very much bonded within the community of other military veteran first responder kits, which meant that they really wanted to connect and bond and share experiences and peer relationships with others going through similar experiences. We knew that this was really important within the context of what was happening in the mental health community for the service members and public safety personnel, because peer support and peer treatment programs have done very well within this community, but nothing had been developed or designed to support children and youth. So that's sort of the culmination of how we started with the idea of why we needed to develop a program based off of trauma-informed perspective, resilience, and play-based activities.
0: You know, when we talk about operational stress injuries like PTSD, the focus is almost always on the adult affected and never on the youth. Can you explain a little bit about why it's so important to include kids and youth in these conversations? I think it's important for us to look at children and youth
1: when they're impacted by a parent that has an operational stress injury, because we know that trauma can be bi-directional in that when one person in a family is impacted by post-traumatic stress, that because it's anxiety disorder, we know that um, primarily that anxiety anxiety becomes quite contagious within a family system. And It's really important that we can look at how children are impacted by the behaviors related to post-traumatic stress, because it also um, greatly impacts sort of the attachment relationship between that parent and that youth. There really has been uh, some important findings through studies looking at post-traumatic stress disorder and parenting, and really focusing on the idea that the attachment and the bonding related to parents has been damaged both by the idea that the parent often withdraws or becomes isolated as a result of their symptoms of hypervigilance, as well as because they retreat and kind of isolate away from the family um, or children children themselves then aren't necessarily building attachment to their parents. So they themselves are getting a message that perhaps their parent isn't wanting to connect with them and have meaningful conversations or take part in important activities. So that part is important to recognize on both, you know, the attachment and bonding with children and their parents. And the second part that I looked at is really the evidence supports the importance of Having communication with children around an injury such as an invisible injury, primarily because we know it's invisible, a psychological injury becomes complex simply because we can't see it. It becomes harder to understand and children are able to understand complex concepts like this if it's offered to them in a developmentally appropriate way. Dr. Stephen Koza out of the Walter Reed Army Medical Center had a term called injury communication where he was able to state that children really could completely understand an ongoing conversation if parents had with their children about a invisible injury such as uh, post-traumatic stress. If they were offered the information at their level, and it would help eliminate the aspect that children can catastrophize, make a much larger fear or worry out of something if they don't know what is happening. And they often can sense it or they know that something is wrong. They're able to kind of pick up on these pieces. And if it's not addressed, if it becomes the elephant in the room, which often has been reported, not that parents are purposely trying to harm their children, it's the opposite. They're trying to protect their children. And they think that if it becomes sort of a difficult conversation for them to have between themselves as partners and talking about trauma worries them, they don't want to add that worry onto their child. But if we offer them resources and tools on ways they can talk about a difficult and complex topic, that this actually is in turn helping children develop a healthy understanding of something that becomes actually a normal thing to talk about and destigmatize within the family unit.
0: Just expanding on your point on the importance of acknowledging youth in this context, can you explain how unaddressed intergenerational trauma affects youth into their adulthood? what we do know from research a lot of it
1: has been done on children from from the vietnam war there's a lot of research around what that looks like if we don't address the you know intergenerational trauma and the effect that trauma has within the family unit on children specifically what you'll likely end up seeing are emotional and behavioral reactions and language for children is through their actions and through their behaviors so a lot of the time what we'll see is either internalizing behaviors. So a lot of the self-esteem issues and internalizing a lot of um, kind of anxiety, those depression type concerns. And you'll also see externalizing behaviors. There's a lot of a lot of social aggression or those kinds of common pieces that you'll have reports back from school where children are acting out kind of inappropriately in certain circumstances. And the other piece that we have seen come across in research is around the idea that children are taking on a lot of overly adult responsibilities within a family, kind of well above and beyond their their years of what they're likely uh, should be doing. And the term that they've put around that is parentification. So they're kind of taking on a lot of extra stress and worry over the running of the house. They're looking after their younger siblings. A lot of teenagers feel a lot of responsibility. And that, of course, comes with a whole other secondary list of issues. But, I mean, we can hold that in also a positive frame as well in terms of what those skills and how that's really helping children kind of develop. So there, there are some negative and positive pieces to to parentification, but there are definitely some pieces that should be held very carefully when we're talking about what are the impacts of secondary trauma on children if left on kind of touched or without supports, and so those kinds of internalizing pieces and externalizing behaviors in children, um, which also can include children taking on a lot of self blame and resentment. So, you know, we know that blame and resentment can really create some long term issues for children as they develop and and as they grow. The sooner you can identify that the impact is within the family system, especially with children and youth, the earlier and easier it can be to, to address some of these longer term issues that can creep into into the system.
0: Thank you so much for expanding on that. It seems you both saw a gap in services that needed to be filled. What were some typical barriers or enablers you faced when implementing the youth program at Wounded Warriors? One of the barriers that we faced when we were running our
1: virtual program was that this was a brand new territory for a lot of professionals, including the mental health sector, such as ourselves. What are we doing to utilize best practices when we're running children's groups? Helena and I looked everywhere for, you know, how do we run a children or a teen group in a virtual program? And where do we access best practices for even do they turn their cameras on or do they keep their cameras off? Some of these pieces really didn't fit what our typical background research would tell us. So we had to navigate through a lot of those questions on how to create a very trauma-informed, safe way to run a program during a time when there were very, very few limited resources on how to run programming in a virtual space for children in this particular context. One of the other limitations was around finding actual resources that talked specifically about operational stress injuries. So the term is fairly new. And even the idea of talking about secondary impact of trauma on children and families, there are very, very limited resources that are kid-friendly. So one of the things that Helene and I have been doing over the years is creating uniquely designed uh, custom resources that we can use right into our programs. So we've designed a book specifically for the younger age group called Larry's Big Adventure. And that book we utilize for the kids and families to help them in understanding the operational stress injury and what it looks like to them. And then we also designed a custom Tunely video for the older age group. We were able to be interactive with giving them resources about an operational stress injury. So some of these resources we've had to design ourselves in order to help with using the right language and helping children understand this very, very difficult injury. I was also going to add, you know, one of the important barriers identified was the idea that a lot of families didn't know how to actually have the conversation around operational stress injuries and uh, even depending on the ages and the stages of their children. And so the program is more than... Just a program when we say like it's geared for kids and youth. We actually do quite a bit of support with working with families who say that their, you know, limitation or their sort of barrier is talking to their kids about mental health. And, you know, a common thing that we hear is, you know, anger when we're talking about post traumatic stress disorder, um, often because emotional numbing is quite common in families. So you either sort of see, a really extreme anger outburst or extreme kind of behaviors from, from mom or dad or nothing at all. And that obviously has a huge impact on attachments and relationships with children. And so one of the pieces that we do support is normalizing again the conversation and saying, yeah, absolutely. Children are going to be you know, acting or behaving certain ways as actually a normal reaction to, to what's happening in their environment but we also provide support to parents on ways they can incorporate ongoing conversation to define what it is that's happening because we do know that this is a very complex issue for families to deal with. Another piece that was really important when we designed the program was to address the barrier for needing to have a diagnosis in order for their family members to attend or have access to a program. So, With the Warrior Kids program, we do not require the parent to have a formal diagnosis, but we do want a formal recognition that a parent in the family has been impacted by an operational stress injury. And that really is to do with ensuring that the parents are the first ones to have the conversation with their children prior to them attending the program. And we help the parents with the you know, the pre-intake information and support that we provide to parents. But we really want to ensure that parents aren't feeling that they themselves have to go and get a diagnosis using that medical framework. But if they've been impacted at any stage or at any part, we want them to, to step out and get the support and get this information to their children. So that was really important for us to kind of address and overcoming some of the very common systemic barriers for accessing supports in this particular population.
0: It sounds you both spent a lot of time planning this out and thinking it through to be as relevant as possible. So what's some of the feedback that you've received from youth that have attended your program? What have they told you about their learning and the impact the program has had on them?
1: So getting feedback from youth is definitely one of our favorite parts of the program because you really do hear how it is really able to impact their lives. One piece of feedback that we received from our last group that we ran virtually was that every Wednesday night after the group finished, they had created a dinnertime chat. Where they formalized a conversation around kind of what were some of the highlights and the learnings of the program. And it had been initiated from the youth themselves asking if they could just sit down and just highlight some of the learnings, which for us is what we're trying to achieve is that ability to sort of destigmatize mental health and have an opportunity to have an ongoing conversation around what's happening and how people are doing and curiosities and questions around that piece. The second piece of feedback that we got when we were running one of the focus groups after the uh, Warrior Kids, we had youth that has said that when they think about their new idea or knowledge around what is an operational stress injury, they said that they were feeling relieved that they realized that it wasn't their responsibility to fix their parent and it wasn't their fault. And we've had a few youth kind of speak out after and provide feedback to say that one of the three messages that we use in the program. So we say that the operational stress injury is not their fault. It's not their responsibility to fix the injury. They get to just be a kid or a teen. And number three is their parent still loves them. And they had said that they felt responsibility or possibly that these pieces that the anger and anxiety and worry they often saw with their parent was connected to something they did and that they realized that it wasn't their fault. And that um, is usually one of the larger pieces of feedback that we get from the youth, which then sort of brings us into the importance of us being able to focus on evaluating quality evidence-based programming, because we know that that's really short in what we have right now in Canada. So we are looking at reviewing the impact on resilience and how youth who have taken the program are actually integrating this knowledge into their everyday lives and part of the study that we have right now with the University of Calgary is uh, we do a measure of resilience, but then we're also doing qualitative focus groups that we invite youth to share their experiences around messages that are impactful for them. What is their developing understanding of an operational stress injury and ways that they're able to connect with peers to effectively build relationship and connection with with youth and give them a positive way to talk about mental health um, is really allowing them to feel like what they have to say it matters and is important and actively being put into the design of a program. Then we also were informed sort of preliminary <laughs> of findings gave us insight that our idea of peer connection, we were, we kept on thinking, okay, how do we formalize peer connection? But their feedback was that they wanted more informal ways to connect after or continuously with other peers, and that there's a lot of avenues now for youth to connect informally and to stay connected, and given that opportunity in a more informal way. Um, So that was also insightful for us. What's next for your initiative? So coming up this year, we are excited to officially, I guess, announce we were able to have participation from every province and territory across Canada that the Virtual War Kids program has been able to reach out to, um, which is great. You know, we have families that are veterans or RCMP that are in quite isolated locations across Canada. So the idea that they're able to access this program is a fantastic in isolated locations where they have limited services we continue to run the war kids virtual program we have one starting up this week and then in the winter of 2022 we'll be launching the bc war kids camp and we will host halifax and ontario as the three main locations for the summer camps in Canada for 2022. And of course, now will be the fourth year coming in Alberta, the Warrior Kids Camp as well.
0: It's truly amazing what you guys are doing to help break down barriers and stigma and provide families with evidence-based trauma-informed support. Where can listeners go to learn more about the Warrior Kids Program and follow your journey? Well, to find more information about the Warrior Kids Programs, both the virtual and the
1: camps, You can head to woundedwarriors.ca website and there's a list of all the programs both for registrations and more information about the program and there's more information about resources that we've uniquely designed such as the larry the lion book for talking and helping to understand and discuss operational stress injuries with children on our own website which is familiesfirstsupport.com
0: thank you both for sitting down with us today to discuss the warrior kids program Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having us.